This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Gather Content. Gather Content helps people who build websites with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate on web content. We'll tell you more about Gather Content later in the show. This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web design and creative industries. This is episode 24, and today is Friday, 21st of June, 2013. So, anyway, the big question that I want to ask you is why you haven't designed any new logos for iOS 7 yet? Me? Yeah, you. No, no, I haven't done any of that. What did you think about that whole thing? Because everybody just went nuts Yeah, about some stupid icons. So it's been really interesting, uh, and I've actually been recently on stage uh, talking about that, and it got some... Uh, I, I've actually had a couple back and forth with people about how as my design career goes on... I tend to care less and less about how things look from an aesthetic point of view, uh, where I just, I, increasingly, and I, I know I'll probably have my head on a pike for, for saying this, uh, but it's just, it's, I don't care. I don't care about flat. I don't care about skeuomorphic. I don't care about anything like that. Uh, I, I'm very much concerned with just things working. And I think that too often, you know, I just see aesthetics sort of, you know, working against just basic functionality. Like, like in the web world, at least, you know, think of all like the crappy parallax one page scroller things. Right. And it's like, oh, they're, Mm. they're gorgeous in the right scenario, but then you access it from, you know, an iPhone or, or any other device or whatever. And they just are totally, you know, inaccessible. They're just totally useless or, or just crappy or they take ages to load. And it's, so I do, I see, I see aesthetics, like aesthetics in general, I think can do, you know, wonders obviously to establish credibility and stuff like that. But ultimately at the end of the day, I, I get, I get really frustrated when that's all people focus on, right? The underlying functionality is what I really care about, uh, you know, accessibility and stuff like that. And as far as iOS goes, I mean, you know, it's a, it was a rough, you know, sort of get it out the door and you could tell that they were scrambling with it and stuff to, you know, they have this massive, massive, very real deadline with all eyes watching them. And so they had to get something out there, but I'm sure that they'll refine it over time. I'm, uh, I'm not puking my guts out over it and i'm also not like that's design genius and my eyes are filled with tears <laughs> i think that it's one of those things that you're just gonna maybe settle into i mean i think it's going to be quite a shock the first time you know those icons they're not going to change the color of the icons the overall design style is going to stay the same yeah um but i do care about what it looks like because i have you know you have to hold this thing all day oh totally day, yeah until some bugger steals it yeah um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah. I'm not letting that one go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do care about how it looks, and I think the details matter. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what I, I, I don't want to say that they're totally worthless or stuff. It's, it's just a, something that me personally, I, I don't really concern myself with those conversations too much anymore. Uh, you are right, though. I think that it is early, and there are a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, this oh, goes totally. to how something works. It goes to how something works as well as to yep. how it looks. You know, there are lots of inconsistencies, even between like, you know, the, 
the widths of strokes around icons, yeah. you know, where they've got these kind of new, and all of that stuff is going to get fixed, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm, it's, it is what it is. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, you're taking something that's a design that's five years old and doing a radical overhaul of it. You know, this device is again in our pockets beside our beds every single day. Yeah, of course we're going to notice differences in it. And, uh, you know, they are pretty, uh, you know, big differences. They are pretty big, uh, you know, evolutions as far as, uh, you know, the design goes. So I think that that's why you're seeing such a visceral reaction because this is something that, you know, something that we, we deal with every day. We know this interface intimately, right? It's funny. Sue's laptop that she uses, uh, a MacBook Air is still running Lion. Yeah. Um, main, well, two reasons. One, it's running some crappy old Windows VM that I just can't be asked to change. Right, right. <laughs> can't be upgraded. Right. Cannot be bothered to upgrade the VMware. Um, and the other thing is that she never wants me to upgrade anything because it works for her and she knows where everything is and she doesn't want any new stuff. And I wonder how she's going to react when one day her iPhone changes. Yeah. That's normal people. I mean, we, we kind of expect this as geeks, don't we? We kind of think, yeah, I want the new thing. And it might take a little bit of getting used to, but will embrace it. Whereas somebody all of a sudden you wake up one day and your phone just looks completely yeah. different. I think, I think that this is, it's a, it's a much bigger uh, thing than even just iOS. I think that there's, there's very much a generational uh, shift. And I think that we're going to see it, you know, younger people uh, are getting used to the idea that, yeah, you upgrade your hardware every year or two. Um, and your software is getting updated continuously. You know, the websites you visit, you know, Facebook and stuff is going to continually roll out changes. Everything is, is getting, uh, you know, changed all the time. And, you know, when I, when I look at my, you know, my parents' generation and just certainly like my grandparents' generation, they still sort of have that option. They're sort of on the cusp where it's like, no, I'm just not even going to play this game. Uh, you know, my grandparents like just don't have a computer and they're, they're able to sort of, you know, stay on that side of the fence. Uh, but I think that increasingly you're going to see, uh, people much, much more willing to put up with this sort of continuous change, you know, dramatic change and understand that, that nothing is sacred. Nothing, you know, I, I think we're going to have less. Well, back in my day, things were that like this and it was so much easier and things stayed the same. It's like we're now, we're now in a state of constant change and that's not going away anytime soon. It's not, it's probably never going to, to sort of settle out wherever we say, okay, this is what our interfaces look like and this is how certain things work. I think that we're just constantly evolving, like from technological standpoint, like so that no one can sit still. And so as a result, you know, uh, any sort of back in the day stories are going to be these, these very, you know, short windows of time, right? So it's interesting. I've been wondering though, because I've been thinking about this. I wonder how this new design aesthetic in iOS 7, how it's going to affect regular web designs, whether or not that's going to spill over into you know, regular websites. Cause yeah. you remember like a few years ago, everybody went nuts over aqua buttons. I mean, when Apple did their whole, you know, aqua button thing in iOS, uh, in, uh, in Mac OS, and then their website had aqua buttons, man, aqua buttons were everywhere. Everything looked like jelly. Yeah. 
Yeah, the whole sort of like Web 2.0-ish kind of, you know, glossy stuff. That's what you're referring well, it was, to? Or? It was e- well, it was even before that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that had a major impact on what people designed. I mean, you know, okay, lazy people. They just wanted to copy a design sure. aesthetic. You could put it that way. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you could say, well, you know, people are going to start copying that design aesthetic, so maybe things are going to get, man, I hate to use the word flat, but, you know, maybe we're going to see a lot more line work icons. Yeah. Maybe we're going to see a lot more of that kind of um, Gaussian blur overlay, which, you know, it's not unique to iOS 7. I think, you know, Windows had that years ago. Sure, yeah, and and I think that from a web standpoint, we're already seeing that trend happen just simply because, uh, you know, the sort of like rise of icon fonts and stuff like that. From it again, from a from an implementation standpoint, you know, you have these icon fonts and they're nice and they're and they're flat. They're these single colors. These characters, right? And so you can style them one way or the other. At the very, you know, most sort of put, uh, you know, a basic gradient or something on them. So you are seeing this trend towards sort of these relatively simple icons and interface sort of things, uh, just because of that. I think, you know, the rise of retina displays and, you know, things need to look crisp. And so we're gravitating towards, you know, SVGs and icon fonts and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, you can make some relatively complex SVGs and stuff, but I think that what, what we're seeing are the first steps towards, towards this, you know, resolution independence. And so that's very much driving the aesthetic decisions uh, of some of these designs, but certainly as Apple and, you know, Microsoft's already done it with their, you know, with their uh, phone platform and now windows eight and stuff like it, I think it is, it's a, it's very much a, a trend. Um, and, but as far as, as far as uh, the web goes, I do think that it, it'll be nicer just because uh, hopefully that does mean less, you know, uh, less code to implement, right? Just like a flat background <laughs> or to, you know, download a, a, a font. Uh, funny story, uh, or I was, I was at, uh, Artifact Conference in Austin, Texas, and, uh, the people from Happy Cog were, were on, uh, right before me, and they pull up this website, and they said, and I was like, crap, I know that website. I use that in my talk. Uh, as an example of, of sort of what not to do. And the, the reason why is because it's like six megs to download. And it was in Net Magazine as like this great example of responsive design. Uh, and anyways, so. What was that? Uh, what was the Oakley one? It, oh, the Oakley ones. We'll get to that in a second. But okay. yeah, the, this was the O Music Awards or something. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, so, so anyways, yeah, it was in like Net Magazine as like, this is a gorgeous example of responsive design is actually a smashing conference where I saw this. And so I pull it up on my, on my computer and it was just taking ages to download. So I peek under the hood and, you know, it's six megs. It's, uh, you know, all these requests and it took them almost three, three minutes to download the entire page. So I was like, wow. Um, but anyway, so at Artifact Conference, they're talking about this and I'm like, I'm sitting in my chair, like, uh oh. Uh, and then apparently, uh, they got pinged to do the next year's version for, uh, you know, next year's design for next year's event. And there's, they apparently came to, uh, back to them and said, yeah, we want something, uh, more flat and more simple because we heard that Brad Frost was making fun of our site. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's what you can implement. They didn't flat design. They didn't call you those. Ah, that's fine. They didn't. That's fine. Uh, 
I'm, uh, yeah, I, I like that story just because, you know, I, I run sites like WTF Global Web and stuff, and I don't do it to be a jerk, right? And, and I do. I get that from time to time. People on Twitter are like, you're an asshole. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the, the goal is, and that, which actually dovetails quite nicely into the Oakley site, because the goal is to, to, for everyone to get better, right? And yeah, sure. in order to get better, you sort of need to know what the problems are. Uh, so with Oakley site, so the, the backstory on this, this Oakley site is that they have just this massive, massive, massive one page scroller, you know, 3D, you know, these glasses spinning all over the place. And the site weighed 85 megs. 85. 85. That's like an entire album of just really, I was really, working out. Oh. Cause for a workshop that I did, I calculated how much it would cost me data roaming right. to visit Obama's homepage. Right. And I think it, it worked out to be, I think Obama's homepage was like eight meg. Right. I seem to recall. The probably, like yeah, probably like the first version. They made a lot of good progress yeah. on it, but yeah. And, uh, and you know, that was, that was going to cost me a reasonable amount of money. It was going to cost me, if I was data roaming on my UK data plan yeah. in America, it would cost me, I don't know, 50 bucks or something yeah. to, to visit that page. <laughs> I mean, you get to the Oakley page and it's like $500. Right. You know, if I stumbled across that right. page on my phone. Right. It's like, okay, I'm just going to leave that. So, so yeah, so, so. Eating my money. So Phil Hawksworth, um, who's done a, re- do you know Phil? He's a, he's over no, in I the UK. Uh, he, he's in, he's in London. He works actually at, at RGA in London. Uh, but yeah, Phil's great and he does a lot of speaking and stuff. He's, he, he blogs a lot about, you know, sort of performance and, and other things and, uh, has this really great talk called, uh, I could smell your CMS, which is really fantastic. I highly recommend it. But, um, I've seen that. Yeah. I saw that on, uh, speaker deck the other yeah. day when I was just browsing around, having a look at some stuff yeah. in my spare time. I, I spotted that talk. I didn't look at it. Watch, but I, yeah. I you should watch it. That. It's great. Um, it's, it's just all about, you know, all these obvious signs, you know, the, the, the CMS sort of showing its face, either in the source code or the URLs and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's brilliant. It's a really good talk. But anyway, so Phil blogged about the, the Oakley site. Like I tweeted about it and I sent it Phil's way because he had highlighted some other crappy, you know, one page scroller, you know, monsters of, of a website. Um, and so I was like, Phil, I got, I got you beat. And so he wrote this post about it and he made, he even recorded a, like a Vimeo video of the site downloading just so people wouldn't have to sit through the actual page load, <laughs> uh, which is great. But so anyways, so he put this post out there and he, he had, um, sort of a back and forth with, with their designers. Uh, and you know, they, they were, I think good sports, although, you know, probably like a little stung about it, but anyway, so, so they came back, uh, I think like a week later or something and the sites now like 13 megs, which is still massive. But if you consider where it was coming from, from 85 yeah. megs and they dropped it down to 13, that's amazing. Isn't that yeah, so that is cool? Right. Like that, and yeah. all because we're, we're bitching about it. <laughs> but we're bitching about it, or you were bitching about it in a way which wasn't disrespectful. Right. I mean, you know, you can point out the flaws in something right. and you can do it with humor and you can get your point across. Right. And it, um, that's, that's without the being trick. Nasty about right. It, right. Thing. Cause you're not sure. Again, like the, the goal is to, you know, is for everyone to get better. And, you know, 
my own sites are on WTF Mobile Web, and you, you know what I mean. And 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 I expect that whenever my client work finally launches, you know, I'll you know be thrown under the bus by everybody, and that's fine. That's the nature of the game. But I understand, and hopefully everyone else understands that it is. It's nothing personal. It's not you know I'm attacking you as a human being. It's more, hey, this is. In a lot of cases, it's like something really cool. Like that Oakley site, like is if you sort of look past the 85 meg aspect of it, it's like wow, okay, there's a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, there's going a lot on. of right, really right. good design work in that. So and and so yeah, so you don't want to totally you know sidestep all of that, but at the same time, it's like yeah, we do need to point these things out so that everyone is is always getting better and we all learn as a result. So I get about three emails a week. I mean, in general, I just get about three emails a week. No, really, I get about, I get about three emails a week from people, um, saying, if you're the responsive design guy, then why does your page weigh, you know, these graphics, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, uh, I know that I need to get back in there and do some, you know, some optimization, sure. but sure. you know, I don't have a retina machine. I don't have a retina iPad. Um, so when I go to the Apple store, I do that kind of thing where I, lust over the retina macbook <laughs> pros and i pull up my own site in a kind of right, really right. vain way thinking oh man they look so sharp yeah um and that there's got to be this balance b- between things looking amazing yeah, absolutely um, um and you know it's uh, i think that there's you know there's obvious things that we can do in terms of scripts and css sure. and you know flat icon or web font optimization or something like that but sometimes getting back to the oakley uh, you just have to go, okay, I'm so confident with this design. I believe so much in this design that, you know, to hell with the performance. Right, right. You know, it's about, and there's always been designs like that. Yeah. You know, and if the, if the purpose of the design is to make a big statement, um, and not necessarily be, you know, when the most usable thing you sure. know, in terms of getting people in and out the door, then you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it, and like you're saying, like there are certainly use cases for it, but in, in the case of that Oakley site where, you know, what is the ultimate goal of that page is, well, it's to sell these glasses and literally nothing would show up on the screen until a minute went by. So I was looking at a preloader for an entire full 60 seconds before something finally got in, put in front of my face. So I think, I think that that's the balance, right? It's a, you know, yeah, it's one exactly. thing to go totally overboard and stuff and, you know, whether it's a personal project or, or, you know, uh, just like a demo or something cool. But like, if you're on the hook to sell some sunglasses, like it's your job to, you know, yeah. make sure that people don't have to sit for a whole minute just to, just to, see what the product looks like (laughs) so so i guess what we need to do 20 minutes into this podcast is i need to explain that you are not anna debenham as much as i want to be i am not anna (laughs) so i should explain to listeners that this week anna is in san francisco um having a little holiday eating ice cream and Looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. So I'm picture. joined by my good friend Brad Frost. Um, and we met last year for the first time, didn't we? Yeah. At the Smashing Conference. Yeah. Which I still think was the best conference that I went to that entire year. Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic show and just, uh, you know, they did such a great job with it, uh, putting it together and, 
uh, it was just, it was a joy just from, from the beginning to the end. It was amazing. Yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was a really good show. I don't know whether I told you this story, but, um, cause I've been watching your stuff for like the year before. And, you know, you kind of, you know, you bump into people online and you follow them on Twitter and whatever. And you think, you know, oh, that guy's really cool or that guy's, you know, doing good work. And then, you know, I'm just as much of a fanboy when it comes to, you know, people that I like or admire as, as anybody else. Um, so I, when I knew you were going to be there, I was like, oh, man, Brad Frost. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew that, I mean, there's obviously, there's lots of other cool people there. Lots of my friends were there. You know, Sarah was there, wasn't she? Sarah Pimenta and yeah. Mark Bolton and, you know, lots of too many people that that I should remember. Um, Aaron Walter and uh, Johnny Snook was there as well. I really liked Snook. It was fun. Um, but anyway, you were going to be there. And I think I, th- I think Melissa was going to go out there at the same time, wasn't yeah. she? She was, and then, and then didn't come. So there we go. I'm all excited because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to go to Freiburg. I've never been to that part of Germany before. I've never been to Freiburg before. It's such a cool place. Oh, it's amazing. God, man, I mean, the architecture, yeah, the history amazing. of the place is staggering. And I was really excited about going to Freiburg. I was really excited about doing my workshops for the, uh, around the conference. Because I wasn't supposed to speak at that point. Right. You know, I wasn't going to do a talk. Um, I was only supposed to go and do, you know, a couple of workshops. And um, Alex went out with me. Right. And, and you know, we'd made this big thing. We were going to go and have a boys week. And, you know, yeah, I haven't spent a, a week with him on my own, not as a family. You know, we've had week-long holidays and we've done big road trips and we've done all kinds of stuff. We spent a lot of time together. Sure, sure. But actually, you know as you know dad and son we'd never we'd never spent a lot of time together you know on our own right so this was the first time that we'd ever got a plane on our own this is the first time we'd ever shared a hotel room on our own this is the first time we'd really gone out and drank beer and socialized on our own together that's great so it was it was you know it was, i was really really looking forward to the whole thing and i was looking forward to kind of meeting you and uh and it was great and then we get there and everything's brilliant and then it turns out that you're so much more Alex's age than you are my age, right? <laughs> so you guys are hanging out, and I'm the one that's kind of going to bed. Alex is sending Sue texts going, Dad's gone to bed, it's 10 o'clock, I'm hanging out. <laughs> and John Davey from uh, yeah. The Reasons uh, events, he was out there too, and he's like, come on, Alex, we're going out for a beer. <laughs> you know, John's older than I am, and he's like, leave the old man, he's going to bed. And then you were all off, and we've got this family joke now. Which is uh, whenever you come up in conversation or I mention you, if you know, passing or whatever, right. the family joke is Alex's friend Brad. <laughs> Alex's friend Brad. Oh, you talked to Alex's friend Brad on the podcast. That's great. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, you know, constantly, I'm constantly kind of liking pictures of Ziggy, your dog, sure. on Instagram, right? And it's like Alex's friend, Alex's friend Brad's dog. It's like Alex's friend Brad's dog. And it's like this kind of. Stupid judge that That's we have great. around half. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was great. It was, it, was, it was good to have him around. It's even cooler. I especially love it whenever people who aren't, you know, immersed in the web uh, are there. And so having a having a geologist around, or well, is he is he still studying, or is he is he done with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he's on a three. Year, he was on a th- uh, a four year course. Okay. Uh, three years was his bachelor of science, and then. The fourth year, which is next year, is an integrated master's cool. degree. Nice. Um, and he is so committed to uh, his geology, but not in, not for the reasons that you would think. A lot of people go into geology apparently because 
there are they're taught a lot of transferable skills. So because of communication or report writing or analytics right. or whatever, all of those skills that they teach you when you learn geology, those are in great demand in other areas. So people go into consultancy, they sure. go into banking of all sure, things. Sure, God, sure. Who the hell would want to be a banker? Yeah. That's right. Not I, for something. Right. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't want to, and they, they, you can earn a shed load of money. I mean, we've been spending a lot of time in Australia, uh, as often as we can. And Western Australia, have you been to Australia? No, yet? I haven't. Still oh, waiting man, for that call. <laughs> man, you've got to go. You've got to talk to John and Maxine about getting yeah, out there. Ah, uh, it's fantastic. Anyway, so we went to Perth for the first time. Yeah. Western. Two, 2011. And, um, we'd spent a little bit of time in Western Australia. And listen, Western Australia, has like it's the size of Europe roughly and like two million people live there. Right. I mean it's just I think more people live in Tokyo yeah. than live in like the whole of Australia. You're you're probably right is, about that. Yeah. I mean because it's just the middle is just vacant, right? For the yeah, and they've got this area and I've seen pictures of it and I really want to go there. It's called the Kimberley region of of uh northwestern Australia. Mm. And it's, I think it's something like three times the size of Texas and 30,000 people live there. Wow. It's, I know, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, uh, I mean, he, the thing with Western Australia is that there's so much space and so many natural resources that what they're actually doing is they're basically just digging crap out of the ground and shipping it to China. Um, and the Chinese are making it into stuff that we want to buy. Wow. That's basically it, right? right? So it's it's like boom town. It's like the wild west. It, living in Perth apparently is is like you know super expensive. So as a geologist, especially like, like a highly qualified one, uh, there's a special visa category. So if you you know as long as you can spell geologist, <laughs> you can get into Australia, right? And you can earn. Apparently, the work is horrible, and you're in the desert, and you know it's about digging minerals out of the ground, which is you know yeah. maybe not the best job in the world, right, right. but you can do that for two or three years, apparently, and, you know, be set up for life. Yeah. So, of course, Alex, being Alex, doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Because Alex is Alex likes geology because of stories. He likes to look at a rock formation and, and think about how this, what the story of that sure. evolution was over time. And he's particularly interested in this, uh, this formation called Melanges, where all of the rocks are kind of jumbled up like a, you know, like a, like a cake. Right. It's really strange. You get even like the, the newest rocks are on the bottom and the oldest rocks are on the top. Cause you know, the whole crust of the earth has kind of got mixed up. So yeah, so it's, it's fun. He's, he's, he's doing really good. And I should mention that, um, he did, um, he did his exams about two months ago. This, like this year's exams. Yeah. Maybe six weeks ago. And he was really, really stressed about it because, um, Two out of the three, I think, went okay. And the third one, he said, was just like a nightmare. Yeah. It's like it's really, always, there's always one. <laughs> he, he, he just sat there looking at, looking at the questions, thinking, I can't write anything. Yeah. Anyway, he got his results today, if you're listening, Alex, because he never listens to me waffling on. But if you do happen to listen, well done, mate, because he got first again. Ah, fantastic. That's great. So he's, he's really, really, really good. He's all set up to, um, to, you know, to do really well. That's and, great. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud That's of That's fantastic. But, you know, he goes to conferences like, you know, Freiburg and, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, hang out yeah. and meet up with people. Yeah. And uh, that's important. 
I was I was saying this to uh, on another show I was guesting on this week. Uh, we did an event out in Manchester uh, a couple of years ago. It was when my book was out, and there's some guy at the event like hanging on to Alex's arm, going, "You know, what's it like having Andy Clark as your dad?" <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of <laughs> bullshit celebrity way. Oh and, and Alex is like, he's like looking at this guy going, just get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be here. That's, that's, <laughs> that's disturbing. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. good. It's good having non, you know, non web people around just because sometimes, uh, well, you just need to be reminded. And that's why I'm, I'm glad whenever Melissa comes along because, you know, she's a designer in her own right. And, you know, she, you know, did a lot more like native stuff rather than, than web stuff. But, uh, you know, she's, she's a jewelry maker and all sorts of other stuff. So not, you know, not immersed in this world like the rest of us are. And, and it's really just, I think, great having, having her around just because it's sort of, it makes me at least a little more cognizant of like, what are we talking about? Are we, you know, just totally geeking out and talking about a bunch of nerdy stuff, uh, which is great, you know, but it's, it's not great whenever it's, it's all you talk about, you know? So it's really great having other people around that, that aren't in that world to, you know, sort of facilitate different kinds of conversations and stuff like that. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, uh, again, there's a time and a place for everything, and we we always do our fair share of geeking out. But uh, I just I really like having normal people conversations too. <laughs> we should talk about our first sponsor for this show. Um, got a good one this week, actually. Our friend Rachel Andrew wrote a wonderful article this week on a list apart called "The Local Shops of the Web." Did you read this, Brad? I, I haven't yet. No, I saw I saw it floating around. So. It's actually really, really good. And in the article, Rachel talks about how we should celebrate small software businesses. And she talks about her experiences with the product that she makes, which is Perch <laughs> CMS. We talk about Perch a lot on the show. And, you know, I really love to talk about small software developers and their products. And our next sponsor, is because it's a new sponsor this week, is another product that I think you'll really enjoy. It's Gather Content. Gather Content helps people who build websites work with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate to produce web content. Now, I bet everybody that's ever made a website for a client or for their company is going to know what I mean when I say that planning, gathering, organizing, and collaborating on content is one of the trickiest parts of any yeah. project. So first of all, people email you Word or Excel or sometimes even PowerPoint documents, goddammit. And, I mean, you can't blame them for that. Because that's what normal people use. Yep. But then you have to trawl through these and cut and paste the useful bits out of them. And then you have to keep track of them. And you have people send you the same file twice, just in case you didn't see it the first time. And then you have to store them. Oh, man, I hate dealing with content documents over email. It's, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a nightmare. And then there's finding ways to collaborate over changes. I don't know about you, but... When I get client copy in, I just can't help myself sometimes. I have to edit it. I mean, sometimes because it's just mostly terrible. Or sometimes I just think that they could do better. They could sell themselves a little bit better. So then what I do is I change it, and then I have to write to the client, and I have to tell them what I've changed. Yep. And all of that stuff takes longer than designing the damn website. Yeah. 
So working with content can be a nightmare, but that's where gather content comes in. That's what it solves for you. It's a new web application that helps you centralize all of your content development and then get content approval in one place. That's and that's a place that's easy to use. And I think your clients are going to love it as much as you enjoy using it. So gather content, save you time because it gathers content together, keeps it all in one place. It makes it easy for you to get approval on content because it has reminders and due dates and all that kind of project management stuff. You know, project delays are often caused by content not being ready. So gather content helps you launch those projects in time and it breaks content down into structured documents that let you guide your clients and your copywriters through what needs to be written. And the best bit, one of the best bits, is that it lets you export all that approved content directly out into your CMS using one of their plugins or an API. Very cool. So gather content customers include Razorfish, Harvard University, and we talked about these guys earlier, HappyCog. In fact, uh, Brett Hunnard, of, he's the project manager at HappyCog, said... Yeah, Brett's a friend of mine. I love him. Yeah, he's a great guy. He said, gather content makes it easier to organize and write real content early in our process, and it helps us avoid the headaches often caused by late content. So you should take Brett's advice, and you should start using gather content. Prices start at $49, that's your American dollars, a month, (laughs) and that's for up to five active projects. And they've set up a special page just for listeners of this show. It's gathercontent.com slash unfinished and even better if you sign up through that page you'll get 20 percent off your subscription that's a good offer and that's gather content so i guess the other news of the week is video and instagram yeah so i guess that i'm gonna have to start liking all of your damn videos of ziggy yeah as well i'm i'm a little i'm a little hesitant about it about the whole video thing. It's just, uh, part of, part of why I like, I, I've sort of, Instagram is one of those things that it's, it's strength was always in its simplicity. And I feel like it's actually gotten less stable than more stable over time. And now they have this new product out or this new feature for this, for their service. And I'm just like, man, could, could I have the app not crash on me? so much anymore <laughs> so you know part of part of me is like oh this is cool i could i could you know shoot some videos and stuff definitely of of ziggy and stuff like that but i'm like man you know i, I for me at least the thing the thing just seems relatively unstable compared to where it was i don't know if you feel the same way but i haven't really tried it my biggest concern was that when i first installed the new app and i went to my Instagram stream and there was autoplay videos there mm. and it was turned on by default. Yeah. And I was thinking, crap, if I'd have been on a, cause it always loads in the background, right? You know, it's, you know, the minute that you load the, right. the app, it's right. starting to pull in that data. And I'm thinking, cause I'm traveling a lot and I'm in Switzerland a lot and I'm in Germany next week. And I'm thinking, God, if I'd have done that data roaming on a 3g connection, I'd have burnt through 25 megabytes in seconds. Hopefully, well, you know, because it is a native app, they have better access to what kind of connection you're on. So hopefully they're smart about that. So maybe it's just a Wi-Fi only thing. I haven't, I haven't really checked that. There is a setting in, there is a setting where you can turn off autoplay videos, which is the first thing I'm done. But I wonder because I remember when I used to be a big, big Flickr user, Mm. um, you know, 
2007, 2008, you know, I would, I, I put all, I mean, I still put all of my photos on Flickr, but I'm not kind of active on Flickr. Sure. You know, that's where my photos get stored and I pay my pro account. And, you know, that's, that's the end of it. Whereas years ago, I lived on Flickr like I live on Twitter now. Sure. And, you know, there'd be comments and, you know, I'd be interested in stats and all that kind Favorites of stuff. Favorites and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love, love, love Flickr and they, put video on Flickr, I mean, years and years yeah, ago yeah. now, it's like that. 30 seconds worth of, you know, little snippets. And it, I don't think it took off. No. I don't think you ever thought, I'm going to go to Flickr to watch a video. No. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to YouTube, you're going to go to Vimeo, right. that's where videos live. And for me anyway, Flickr was about photography. Right. And that was what it was about. And, and Instagram is about photography too to me but it's not about it's more about um it's more about i want to share something that i'm seeing right now it's more, really yeah beautiful. it's the it's that it's that first part of their name it's the insta part of everything and the thing with video is that video is an investment it's an investment in your time it requires multiple senses it requires buffering it requires all this stuff and so sort of it's been really fascinating for me to sort of see where video lives because like you're saying youtube and vimeo is where you know we'll for lack of a better word, proper video lives. Yeah, but now right. you have Vine and now you have Instagram's video and you have like all these other sort of, this sort of like animated GIF culture. But I almost say that like animated GIFs and yes, that's a hard G, uh, as, as far yes, as I'm concerned. It is a hard G. It's but, uh, always a hard G. but so what, what you see with that in, in what you see Vine and in, in Instagram video, uh, trying to capitalize on is that sort of like gift culture. But it, I'd actually argue that like 12 seconds of video is actually too long for a product called Instagram. Uh, where that, and again, back to the joy of using this app it, for me, at least is just the ability to, to just comb through very quickly uh, what people are up to, you know, who's in what part of the world and what sort of cool pictures they're taking and stuff. And, you know, hit the like button and move on. Uh, it doesn't require anything more from me. It doesn't require any sort of thought and stuff like that. And it, it, it makes it seem like I'm, you know, just someone that's wanting this mindless experience, but that's sort of it almost. Um, and, and to have to sort of, you know, have a video load and sort of, you know, make sure that your headphones are up or, or, you know, or if you're on a bus, you know, that your headphones are down, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, that you have headphones in at all. Because like, I, I've had that happen wherever you're playing video, uh, unknowing that you're, you're spraying it out to a whole subway car or something. It's like, whoops. <laughs> I'd like a setting where you can actually just choose to turn video off altogether. I know autoplay is off, so yeah. it's just become like, but you know, when, when, when autoplay is off and you're still scrolling through and you're seeing videos, your Instagram just looks like bad vid. It looks like bad photos. Yeah. Cause you know, cause yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just sounding grumpy, but I don't think I'm ever going to like a, an Instagram video. Yeah. Except as I say that and, um, I could just sit and watch little 15 second gifs of Trent Walton's kids. 
<laughs> all day long. Have you seen these ones? <laughs> I've, I've posts, seen his kids' pictures. He of his posts kids, yeah. these most amazing ones. Of, I think it was uh, the youngest one running down the corridor with some kind of like tub on his head the other That's day. Funny. It was hilarious. Really funny. But no, I'm not convinced about Instagram video. Yeah, it's not to say that I won't ever... I won't ever like videos or won't actually enjoy them. It just, I feel like it's working against, like, whenever, you know, whenever you're to tell someone who didn't know what Instagram was, you know, I'd say, well, it's, you know, a really quick and easy way to share, to share photos, um, and, and sort of just view them. And, and again, like, as the product gets more complex, as they sort of try doing more and more things with it, I'm, I feel like it's sort of losing that immediate you know, thing. Whenever you look at what Facebook's become, you know, this, this garbage, you know, just everything under the sun sort of packed in there awkwardly, uh, you know, to actually have this really focused experience where the, the whole point of this is to, to view photo, you know, to share and view photos just like super easily and quickly. Uh, that's, that's always been what I loved about it. And I feel like as they move further away from it, I do, I, I feel like it's, it's, sort of diluting what what made it yeah. so powerful in the first place it changed it changes what made me love it in the first yeah. place yeah. speaking of photographs um how come i've never seen you shoot any pictures of the cathedral of learning because i was looking yeah i was doing a bit of googling because you're in pittsburgh right? yeah yeah and, and pennsylvania is one of the the few states that i haven't been to i've been to 37 states holy cow I know. I've been to places. Have you been to Iowa? I have never been to Iowa. No. Okay. Have you been to Idaho? No, I've never been to Idaho. <laughs> you've Man. you've been to more places, absolutely, than I've been. In Boise, Idaho. What a place! I doubt we've got any listeners in Boise, Idaho, but it's one of my favorite places. Anyway, so I was doing a bit of googling about Pittsburgh, yeah. thinking where does where does Brad live, and I come across these photos of this. This looks like yeah. A building from a Batman Gotham, movie. Gotham, yeah, totally. And they actually did film the the last Batman movie here, uh, a good oh, a good right. bit of it. Yeah, um, it was actually really wild because it's shortly after we moved from New York City to to Pittsburgh, and I actually was back in New York City the day after, or I'm sorry, like the the week after we moved, and I went to. Uh, the Batman movie with Josh Clark, uh, on opening night. And there were, there are scenes in Batman where they're cutting back and forth between New York City and Pittsburgh, like what's clearly Pittsburgh and what's clearly New York City and all in the same scene, right? So it's the continuity is there from, from the narrative, but like me having just moved from New York to Pittsburgh and now I'm back in New York watching this movie and seeing it cut back and forth. I was like, this is the story of my life right now. Uh, but I don't know whether it's out yet, but World War Z. Oh, uh, yeah. They filmed a lot of the, the street level scenes there in Glasgow. Oh, very cool. Um, why the hell they did it? <laughs> Standing in for somewhere, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was working up in Glasgow kind of, you know, one week a month last year yeah. when I was working for Scottish telly. So I was, I wasn't there when, you know, when Brad, the other Brad was there. Um, but you know, everybody was talking about how they were filming, um, World War Z around, you know, I think it's George Square or something. Right, like that. right. That's amazing. And, uh, and yeah, so, and then when I see the trailers for it, I'm going, that's Glasgow. Yeah. And then it cuts to a huge horde of zombies climbing. <laughs> that's really cool. Skyscraper. It's great. I, I want to go see that movie. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the cathedral learning is totally this, this 
amazing. It's actually in my neighborhood right now. We're we're about to move out of it, but it's in Oakland and it's it's what it is is it's part of the the University of Pittsburgh and it's this huge gothic sort of skyscraper type thing that's standing all by its lonesome and it's nothing but uh classrooms. And the cool thing about it, so this is where a lot of, you know, University of Pittsburgh's uh, classes take place. And the cool thing uh, about it is, is you go in and they actually have uh, sort of classrooms almost as museum uh, sort of pieces where they have classrooms from all over the world. And so they'll have like uh, a traditional uh, like Japanese classroom and you know it's, it's relatively simple a lot of wood and you know sort of very clean and stuff and then they'll show like what uh what uh classroom from another part of the world like in, like india and so there's like some like gold-plated stuff going on it's really really Ooh. cool and a lot of i think that uh a good many of them are functional so you can have a class in the japanese classroom but then some of them i think the ones that are a little more ornate uh, they have like sort of blocked off there. It's just like you could sort of view them, but uh, really, really cool idea. Uh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Moscow State University. If you Google that, I'll put a link in the notes for listeners. Um, that is another kind of big, iconic university building. You can mm. see it for miles across. Oh, Moscow. okay. Amazing yeah. thing. Amazing thing. Anyway, so yeah, we met last year. In Freiburg, and you were still working for RGA at that point. I think. Yeah, I was. Yep. So you did this thing, um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. You 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 dropped and then ate a pretzel on stage. Yes. <laughs> which was. <laughs> it was pretty great. You meant? Did you mean to do oh, that? Oh yeah. Is that part of the shtick? Yeah. So so literally, the story goes like this. So so I have this whole thing in my talk where I, I talk about performance as design, and whenever. Whenever you look at, at sort of what mobile users expect, there's like a big study done. And it was like basically that mobile users expect the mobile site to load as fast, if not faster than desktop users. But then also that a good three fourths of them, 74%, I think it was, will leave your site if it takes longer than five seconds to load. And so. The, my point is, so in other words, in human terms, that you have five seconds of somebody's time to put something in front of them, right? To get them what they're after, or else they're gone and they're not coming back. Um, and so in the food world, uh, at least in America, <laughs> there's the five second rule, right? Wherever if you're eating something and you drop it on the ground, as long as you pick it up within five seconds, then, oh, it's still all right to eat. (laughs) And so I was telling Vitaly about that right before I was going on stage. And I said, I always had this really funny thought in my head that I'd just be like gnawing on a, a Snickers candy bar or something. And just casually during my talk and people would be like, why in the world is he eating a candy bar during, in the middle of his talk? And then, and then just drop it, you know, whenever I get to that point. And then count it out, you know, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand. It was, and, fun. and so, so yeah, so he, he turns to Mark Teal, who <laughs> was co-running it, he goes, get Brad a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like a two minute, two minutes into it, or two minutes before I was about to go on, we decided to do that. So it was pretty funny. 
we did this talk. I did this talk uh, a few years ago um, up in Edinburgh, a, a conference up there. Um, and for some reason that, I mean, Lord alone knows why they were there. There was a plate of biscuits, cookies, right? You call mm. them on the podium. So, you know, right next to where you put your laptop was like this plate of biscuits. Right. And they weren't just like any biscuits. It wasn't like, you know, like chocolate hobnobs, but you, you have no idea what a chocolate no, hobnob is. No, I have is. no idea. It sounds like okay. a Spider-Man villain. <laughs> chocolate <laughs> hobnobs are, oh man, they are, they are oaty and they're crunchy and they're chocolatey and they're like, mm, they mustn't eat them because I'm trying to lose weight. Anyway, there's this plate, <laughs> there's this plate. They're not just ordinary biscuits on, on this plate. They are Scottish shortbreads. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I know, yeah, say, shortbread's amazing, like, yeah. And they're, they're sweet and they're dry, but they're so dry that they like suck all the moisture out of the entire room. It's like you could use these things. If you have a damp problem in your new apartment, right? You just get your wee Scottish auntie to send you like a box flooding. of these shortbreads. <laughs> flooding, hey, no problem, a, right. Hey, wee lassie. And you could literally, you could, you could drift off down the river on these things. Anyway, they are so dry. And what I did, I did 15 minutes into my talk for a reason that completely escapes me was that I picked one up and took a bite. Ah, really bad idea. Because yeah. then, like, all of the water from my body just dried up. It's like something from sort of shriveled, like the right. witch from the Wizard of Oz, right? And I'm, I'm standing there with a mouth full of these shortbread crumbs, thinking, "Now what do I do?" Yeah, and that's what that's what I did with the pretzel because I was like, "Shit, now I have to chew the damn thing," and it's all it's all starchy and salty, and and so same thing. And so I had to choke it down. It was pretty funny. So I was talking to a few people today. Yeah. In amongst doing a bit of work. And uh I mentioned to a couple of people that I was going to be talking to you today. And you know the funny thing is, nobody knows what you do. <laughs> Actually do, right? This is really funny because they know that you write stuff and they know that you uh you speak about responsive design. That's been your shtick. And you post pictures of Ziggy. <laughs> and you know, you've you've got these projects you know you've got your WTF mobile web yeah. and that responsive patterns project that we'll talk about in a minute but actually in terms of what you do designing or developing or whatever mm-hmm. it's like no nobody had a clue it's <laughs> like well, actually think about it what does he do yeah i don't, i mean i don't really know either <laughs> uh <laughs> it's sort of a it's a bit of everything i mean it, it's uh you know so I, I just wrapped up two client projects where i was doing the the front end development for so the html and css uh somebody else is doing uh the bulk of the javascript work uh so i was doing that so so definitely doing some client work uh I, I do quite a bit of consulting wherever I, you know, I go into places and talk to them and help them, uh, do quite a bit of, uh, workshops and the speaking things and stuff, do a bit of writing. Uh, I have a lot of these projects that have sort of stemmed around, you know, the sort of like satellite things that, uh, many of which, uh, you know, were born out of either client work or just working in an agency and we needed to, you know, corral some resources together or something or uh, make some patterns. And so I just did that and instead of sharing them with, you know, just the people who needed them, just put them up on the internet. Uh, did you, did you work with RGA? Did you work on, um, the Grey Goose site? Uh, I, I sort of was, a like, uh, I sort of got the, 
ball rolling on that. So in the early days, you know, to help them understand and stuff. And I also did a code, uh, like a pass, uh, of it, you know, before it launched and stuff. But no, that was all, uh, the, the great team in, in, uh, RGA Chicago that took that. It was, it was one of those things where, uh, it's, it, this is going to sound bad, but I'm just terribly skeptical. Right? And whenever they say, Hey, do you want to, uh, you know, review the site, you know, before it goes live? And it's like, okay. Yeah. And, and I get it. And I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> Good I thought stuff. it was, the, I thought, and I've said this many times, I thought it was the best redesign, but it was the best design, website design period for that year, last year. Um, let alone being the best responsive site. I, yeah, it's I definitely, it was, that. That, I think about what was so different about it was because, you know, up until that point, there weren't very many really high impact, you know, very sort of visual rich, uh, sort of, you know, responsive designs out there. You know, you, you look at a, a lot of publications, a lot of more sort of utility driven uh, sites and stuff, which is, which is great. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like we, we need that and stuff, but whenever, if you really want something that's like knock your socks off, like visually speaking, you know, uh, that, that was it, you know? And so, so that's why it was, it was pretty exciting, uh, for that thing to come out just because it's like, yeah, look, everybody, all you naysayers out there that's saying, you know, oh, responsive design could only work for blogs and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I actually care about design, and so therefore, responsive design is out for me. Uh, it's it, you just you, you you hear all sorts of stuff. It's it's nuts, and so that was that was like the first where it's like, hey, look, you can you can have everything. Uh, you know, you can you know uh, apply these principles and stuff to to make something that still is very visual stun visually stunning. So, I basically did an entire workshop day just on that website. Ha, that's awesome. <laughs> I think it kind of it was the thread that bound all of these different lessons together. Very cool. So, why did you leave? Why did you go out on your own? So, uh I left under the best possible circumstances and I mean this with with all honesty. Whereas basically uh <laughs> a lot of people will leave their job because they don't like what they do or they don't like where they're at. I actually left because I loved my job so much. Uh, that people invite me to speak about it and talk about it and all these other sort of, you know, things came out of it. And, um, as a result, it just became really, really overwhelming to have any sort of semblance of a normal job, like a normal 40 hours a week doing a set amount of things, you know, in one place, in one desk. Uh, you know, the speaking opportunities, uh, you know, definitely picked up, uh, pretty, you know, pretty massively. And while, you know, RGA was certainly really accommodating, at least at first, I remember at one point in time, I was like, Hey, you know, we need to go over my, uh, my, you know, speaking schedule. And it's like, yeah, so I'm going to be speaking at 12 conferences over the next, you know, four months. And they're like, <laughs> Oh, Okay. <laughs> when are you going to get some real work? Right, right. And it's, you know, it's great because it obviously, you know, worked out for them and stuff to, you know, sort of have an ambassador out there. But I think that it was like quite unique, uh, situation. So, but that and, you know, just all these other projects and all these other things and, and, um, uh, in looking at, so I'm not, I've now been in business for myself for, for six months now. Um, 
So I, how's that go? Uh, it's been just amazing and crazy and busy. And it, it sort of has, you know, I, it's, it's nuts. I mean, I, I'm so happy I did it. Uh, but at the same time, it's, and I don't, I don't see myself ever, or I, I say this now, but, you know, not going back to work for anybody for, for a very, very, very long time. Um, if, if at all ever, but like, I think you, I think after a while you make yourself unemployable and I don't mean that yeah, in a bad way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, but whenever I look at, at everything that I've done, uh, in, in just six months, I mean, two, two pretty major client projects, which, you know, soaked up a whole lot of my time, but just traveling all over the place and doing all sorts of things and meeting all sorts of people. It's like, I, I, you know, it's amazing. And, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not, you know, gone out on my own, had I not, uh, really sort of, you know, just jumped into the deep end and started swimming. And I'm, 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 extremely happy about that. I'm extremely fortunate to even have these opportunities in the first place. But it's, it's also, it's one of those things where, uh, under, you know, working for somebody else, uh, you know, you could put in 80, 90 hours a week and you might get, I don't know, at the end of the day, you might get a raise, you might get a promotion. Uh, but with this, um, with being sort of my own, boss and being, you know, uh, you know, driving my own ship, it's been really wild to see that, you know, the amount of effort, the amount of work that I put in, I, I could see the, the benefits, uh, of that. You get like, that uh, back. It, and you, then some. You get that right, back. Exactly. So it's been, it's I been mean, fantastic. I remember years and years ago, I mean, we're talking kind of, you know, 20 years ago, um, I got into some real financial mess. I mean, I was working for a company. I was in a sales job. Uh, I was being paid on commission. Um, I overextended myself uh, on the basis that I thought I was going to get a whole kind of like lump sum yeah. of commission from some sales in. And for one reason or another, it didn't happen. And I had this huge hole. Yeah. And, you know, I'd always worked hard. I'd always given it everything. And I certainly thought that I deserved that money. But, you know, what are you going to do in that situation? I couldn't go to the boss and go, do you know what? Actually, no, I need that money. You know, there was no way out for me. You know, I, I, what was I going to do? I couldn't go and ask for a raise. Right. You know, what? I could go and, you know, work in a pub or work in a supermarket or something like right. that. You know, if I wanted to take on a second job. Whereas, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, when you're working for yourself like this, you're the one that's in control of your own destiny, if you like. Totally. You know, if you... You know, and you reap the rewards of that. You know, it's your risk and it's your reward. And I, you know, and I, and I firmly believe that you actually have more security Absolutely. if you're working for yourself than if you're actually working for somebody else. Yeah, you could, you could, you could find and kill your own lunch, right? Uh, and, instead of you know relying on somebody to to hand it to you. And and I'd say I also say something that's been extremely rewarding for me is that uh, I. I feel like the more I act like myself, uh, the more I'm rewarded for it, uh, which sounds interesting because <laughs> it sort of is. So like, for example, like my first job, you know, I was wearing, uh, 
slacks and a button-up shirt and a tie, and we were the marketing department of a of a real estate company. And I'd go into work, and they'd say, "Okay, we need you to think outside the box." And I'm like, "Look at me! Look at how I look!" And and so so you know, thankfully, as my career evolved, you know, it got more and more casual as far as my dress goes. But then also, you know, whenever I started speaking, you know, I been to a couple conferences before I see how other people were acting and and how they present themselves on stage and I just sort of follow suit and you know to rehearse like crazy and stuff like that and over time what I found is that that's just not really my style I was um, gonna say do you rehearse at all I don't know no, uh, neither do lately, I. lately I've been, uh, extremely bad. Melissa gets stressed out for me. I don't tend to get stressed out, but, uh, the last couple talks I've, I've given, I've been, I've began them, <laughs> uh, the day of the first day of the conference and give them the, the second day. Uh, no, I always try to write them fun. in advance. Right. I write them in advance, but my rehearsing tends to be sitting there in a quiet corner with a laptop talking to myself. Yeah. See, so I don't uh, even do that. Uh, even you know, in my head. <laughs> so but, it's you know, bad. Yeah. It, it's, it shouldn't be that way, but it, it, the way that this year has been going, it's just been born out of necessity. I'm not doing that to be a jerk. And, and thankfully, you know, thankfully both, both times I did that, uh, I, I felt like it was, it was good, but I, I guess like back to like the whole sort of personality thing where like I stopped caring about the formality of it. I stopped caring about the format of it. I'm, I sort of just accepted the fact that I am who I am and I'm going to get up on stage and present that. And what's been the most rewarding thing about going out on my own has been that I seem to be rewarded for that. Uh, to, to be myself, to be, to act more like myself rather than what I think other people, you know, might like me to, to be. Um, and it's been fantastic. I can't tell you how fulfilling that is to just, to act like yourself and then people, you know, respect it and they pay for, you know, whatever, you know, they pay for you to speak, they pay for you to do a project, they pay for you to come in and consult and not pull any punches, not, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's been the nicest great. thing. I think the nicest thing, cause I'm not, I'm not speaking at the moment. I just decided that I don't really have anything to say. Um, and I'm not going to be the guy that they just wheel out. I mean, literally, if I get any older, they're going to wheel me out, right? <laughs> <laughs> With a rug over money. I don't want to be the guy that drinks soup through a straw on stage no i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to be the guy they just wheel out uh you know to talk about css or something sure. there's you know there's way more people qualified about sure. whether it's responsive design sure. or css or whatever than, than than i am right now so i don't want to be that guy um i forgot why i was going to mention that now what was that? how did i get onto that anna you stop you, you stop speaking yeah yeah, yeah. so and uh, and why did I even talk about that? This is going to be a great show. Andy can't remember. He's so <laughs> old. She's going to have to edit that word out. He's so old. He can't even remember the beginning of the sentence, one thing to the next. Yeah, no, the nice thing, I'm, I'm not speaking um, because I don't want to be that guy. But I still get asked a lot. Sure. And I actually really like being asked because it's like somebody wants you. And it, it does it. It does you good. And it does you good to be asked. 
Um, and whether it's client work or, um, you know, speaking engagements or, you know, writing stuff or whatever, being asked is actually the best bit, I think. I, I actually prefer that even better than the feedback. Yeah. I don't, I've actually never gotten too much feedback uh, from, from conferences and stuff like that. The, uh, I don't, my, people say to you, people say, oh man, you know, one of the reasons for doing conferences, you know, all, imagine all that business that you get, you know, imagine all those people coming up to you afterwards, like smothering you in business cards. <laughs> Maybe it's the fact that I just talk about comics all the time. Yeah. No, I think, I think the most rewarding thing for me is doing, doing a talk or doing a conference is, you know, oh, we've been doing this for a while, you know, it's just whatever, those three slides really, you know, articulated everything that I've been trying to convince my boss about for the last whatever, or, you know, I sent them, you know, I sent my boss a link to your blog post, and, and now we're doing things this way, right? Like, I, yeah, you know, I go on and complain about carousels, and, and all of a sudden you're seeing people like, oh, we're going to do this, and then we tested it, and it actually turns out that it's not very effective, and it's like, yeah, heck yeah, so... And that's been, I need to make a, that's been I need to make fulfilling. a text expander. I need to make a text expander snippet, which basically points people to your blog post <laughs> about carousels. Yeah. Cause the number, the number of times I, I have to go back and find the link and like send it to people because <laughs> they mention a carousel in their brief. Yep. Yeah. It's oh, amazing. Crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, like that's, the, that's easily been the most fulfilling thing is, is what I, I could honestly care less what I do. Like back to the question, what do you actually do? I, I actually don't care what I personally do. Uh, the, the most fulfilling thing for me in, in what I do and is to hear people that take an idea or to take a concept or to take a thought and to run with it and to do things that I would never even be able to imagine like dreaming of like, and, and, and the ability that or sort of knowing that you in some way facilitated that is easily the most rewarding thing you, you can, you could do. You're, is you're, that what you get out of all of these projects? That's, that's it. The pattern library. That's it. Giving that stuff away for free. Cause people sometimes go, man, I, you know, I, I, if I was, producing that kind of thing i'd want to keep it to myself yeah, you know, absolutely that's my not intellectual property right but it's it's so much more rewarding to to release it for free it comes back to you in some way shape or form like i, I firmly believe that you know for everything for everything you give away you get back you know a hundred times that if you look at some of the most successful people working in our industry it, it is the people that give stuff away nonstop. Look at Luke Rubluski. He writes constantly. He's just like churning stuff out. There are no ads on his site. There's no nothing. He's successful. <laughs> I think, I think that's safe to say, right? And, and, but whenever you look at that, it's like he, well, he doesn't have to write a blog post every week or, you know, multiple posts a week, but he does. Uh, if you look at, you know, Anna putting together the whole console you know, center, like resource center and stuff. Like she didn't have to do that, but she did. And it's amazing what can happen when you actually publish your thoughts, whenever you publish a resource, whenever you say, I wish that this thing existed. So I go ahead. So I went ahead and I made it. And I think we are extremely fortunate in, to work in an in industry that, that encourages that. 
to work in a place where, you know, the more sincere you are, the more willing you are to give to help, uh, the, the more successful you're going to be. And I think that that's phenomenal. I, I try to think about that like on a daily basis, just because I, I, I can't stress enough, like how fortunate we are to be working in this field. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I really, really couldn't. Listen, we need to wrap this up. Mentioning Anna, she likes to keep things to an hour and <laughs> she's actually the boss around here. So I need to, I need to be mindful of the time, but I could talk to you all day, mate. Um, where can people get hold of you? Where can they find you? Uh, I'm on, uh, Twitter's the easiest, most immediate way at Brad underscore Frost. And, uh, my, my website is bradfrostweb.com. And those are probably the areas I'm most active in. Can you not get bradfrost.com? No, the guy, Brad Frost from Fort Wayne, Indiana, if you're listening to this, give me my website. Uh, <laughs> he, he had this crappy template builder, uh, website up that had all stock photos and like the, the default out of the box template. But then he swapped out, uh, he's like a, a hunter. He's like a big game hunter and stuff. And so <laughs> there are all these like pictures, these like corporate, you know, watermarked images of, of corporate people in business suits. But then there's like a picture of his daughter holding a bear skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bizarre. No. It's not there anymore, but yeah, that's why I had to get bradfrostweb.com. So uh, it'll come around. It'll, You'll get one it day, eventually. One day. You'll get it eventually. Listen, thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on hey, the show. Hey, thank I, you so much for um, having me. I hope you'll come on again. I could talk to you all day. Yeah, I'd love to talk to Anna too. I still have yet to meet Anna, so that would be great to well, chat. Well, I, I am off on holiday for the whole of August. Wow. Congrats. So, yeah, I know. it's We're going to the south of France again to a little place that Very we cool. have been going to for the last 15 years. Fantastic. Um, so we're going to be away. So maybe if you ask nicely. Maybe. Maybe she'll ask you on the show if you behave yourself. <laughs> I can't, I'll try. But, yeah, Anna's, Anna's my favorite. I love her. She's – Yeah. I, I think that uh, I'll be over in to, to Brighton uh, in September. So I'm hoping to meet everybody, all everyone in Brighton. It seems like all the web people are in Brighton, yeah? No, not all, no, no, no. Listen, Besides you. not all the web people are in Brighton, <laughs> right? right? A good Brighton many of them. It's not the centre of the damn universe, okay? Brighton is is uh, Brighton is only one small enclave, like one small kind of web ghetto. Okay, there's plenty of places. Brighton, actually, have you been to Brighton before? I have never been. Okay, so I've got to tell you this. Brighton is like the Detroit of England. <laughs> okay. I mean, don't listen to Jeremy Keith or Andy Bird or Richard Rutter or Aral Balkan or Anna or Laura Bacalbag <laughs> or any of these people that live in Brighton, right? It's like Detroit. Okay. Anyway, it's like the Beirut of Sussex. <laughs> okay, so you've seen these pictures of uh, of the war in Syria? Yeah. I'm not making light of the war in Syria. It's a terrible thing, but trust me, Brighton looks like this. <laughs> Right. You need to get out of Brighton. I've never been, and I, and I there's a, all of those there. people that you named. A good many of them I've, you I've don't actually go there. never met before. So I'm really you don't want to go there. To, I'm more looking they forward don't, to the people. So they don't call it Brighton in body armor for, for no reason. <laughs> you don't want to go there. Listen, we need to wrap this up. Uh, you can email me at he has at unfinished dot bz. That's bz for Brad and Anna. 
shehas at unfinished.bz or you can email us both at theyhave at unfinished.bz. All the links we mention are in our show notes. You can find them at unfinished.bz slash 24. That's the number 24. To ask us questions and suggest topics, messages on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Gather Content. Gather Content helps people who build websites work with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate on web content. You can support the show by supporting them. Thanks, mate. Hey, thank you very much. I'll see you soon. I wasn't joking about Brighton. Terrible place.